Good morning, afternoon, and or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. This is What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about our least favorite aspects and most debatable opinions of our most favorite scary movies. We fight over our favorites. My name's Jesse. And my name is Travis. And today we are going back to the Friday the 13th series, going to Friday the 13th Part 2. It's going to be another movie where I am in favor of it and Jesse, um, not so much. Yeah, more in favor than I was for part one, but I still got a lot of problems with you people. Airing the grievances I'm here. I'm airing my grievances. Every day is Festivus We're on about podcast. to show, we're about to have the feats of strength. So yeah, Friday the 13th part two. This one was directed by the original writer of the movie, Stephen, or the original yeah. writer of the first one, yep. Stephen Miner. Um, Miner, I hardly know her. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Ron Kurz. Sean Cunningham is actually involved in this one. Uh, I was kind of shocked whenever I saw the credits that he edited the movie, which kind of is a demotion when you think about it. Oh, maybe that's what he wanted. He clearly wasn't really interested in the series from the yeah. beginning, so he left it to the people who actually gave a shit about it, which I'm... Which somehow was Steve Miner. The who, guy who uh, wrote it? Yeah, who in the special features for the first one was like, uh... Yeah, Halloween did really good, so we're going to do that. Yeah, he, I mean, he knew what it was, and he at least, like, put effort into it. I don't think Sean really put much effort into the first one. I did not like some of his directorial choices, but I guess we will go into that. In this one? Yeah. Okay. I guess we'll get into that later. Yeah, I guess we will. (laughs) But, guess who came back for the music? That's right. It was Henry Manfredini. Yay! Yeah, I don't even know if he actually redid the score. I feel like they just reused the score from the original. No, it felt it felt amped up a little bit to me. I was much more aware of the music this time and not even in a, you know, I'm going to be doing a podcast about it later. I was just like, wow, there's a lot more um, going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, was, I was more aware of the music this time um, of it existing, where in the first one... Really? It was just there for the tent scenes. I feel like there was a lot more music in this one. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. Because he made a point in the first one of saying that he only put music in for the tent scenes. So, yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that. And our subtitles really liked to let us know if the music was tense. Yeah, it gave us the Deep moods. Deep, tense music. Yeah. Scary, tense music. Tense music. I like it when subtitles tell me how to feel. Yeah. It takes it a lot of the guesswork out of watching yeah, movies. Exactly. Tom Savini, unfortunately, was not available um to do the effects for this one however they got somebody that i feel was pretty competent uh carl fullerton yeah he uh he stepped in for him since savini wasn't available for the movie um he's went on to do other things like friday 13th part three (laughs) and also silence of the lambs oh really yeah so he's done pretty well he's actually still working so he's he's made a name for himself good for him yeah uh we know that uh they didn't get to show the full glory of all of his blood and guts in this movie because we saw from his own personal affects the extended scenes with you know thrice the blood which really elevates it it's kind of a shame that you don't get the full picture especially um scott's death i think scott's is brutal and so is mark's yeah and the um the cop like that yeah the hammer that, yeah, yeah. Blood, arc of blood spurting out yeah so going back to how the movie was received back in the day um, to no surprise, it wasn't received well. Um, I mean, they kind of knew 
what it was, even though it was just the second movie in this. Um, I mean, Amy Steele didn't even really want to audition no. for it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people kind of knew what they were getting into. Um, I got a quote here from the New York Times, who gave it its highest rating, a 4 out of 10. <laughs> they, <laughs> they said, The plot is an excuse for joining together horrors. All of the pseudo-masochist kind, and the acting is rudimentary at best. It will probably make a fortune. They were not wrong. Yeah. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it the lowest one, a 12 out of 100. Yeah, Roger Ebert is a... Yeah, he, he's a little bit too he's serious with this He's hot and cold stuff. with horror. Yeah, that was their personal ratings. Um, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I really like this movie. It was so much better than the original. This movie gets a goddamn 8 out of 10, but you give The Witch <laughs> That's because three. The Witch sucks, and I stand by it. I don't care what anybody tells me. Oh the god. Witch is terrible. Oh my god, you're terrible. <laughs> what oh did my you, god. What did you give it? Six. Six? Okay, so you... What did you give the original? Five. Five? Okay, so we both, uh, I think, raised it by a single point. So we've got, we got a 7 out of 10 as our average pre-discussion score. Are we ready to... Yeah, let's Talk launch, shop. Let's launch into this thing. All right. First of all, we see a precocious young child. Well, we hear a precocious young child named Jesse. Hey. hey. Don't know why. Served absolutely no purpose. There's a lot in the first mm, 20 minutes of the movie that's there. I yeah. think probably just to give it a feature length because that's what it's I was Eighty-seven minutes. So yeah, it's twenty minutes of basically the ending of the original movie. God, this is my first problem yeah. with this movie. It was just all, like, whatever. I was, you know, kind of lukewarm about Alice as a final girl. Anyway, no. Um, if you haven't listened to our first episode, you probably should because I'm carrying over a lot of angst and grievances. <laughs> Um, I, I was, you know, kind of lukewarm about it, but we see her in this house, which at first I was like, okay, cool, she moved back in with her parents. I still have no clue how old this fucking person is supposed to be. Um, but no, she hasn't moved back in with her parents, as we find out when she has an angry conversation with her mom, who was just worried about her child who almost died. Yeah. Um, how is she in this gigantic house with all of this furniture? I couldn't tell if she owned the entire place or if that was like a building like kind of an apartment of sorts where that was her room like her section and then like all of that shared space is mm -hmm. just so much furniture crammed in there yeah she likes furniture apparently she's going through a traumatic event okay she can like go about therapy her own way i, I mean that's what she told her mom she said she just needed time for herself exactly uh, mm. she's a at points tense, but also fairly lax about checking if her windows and doors are locked, apparently. Yeah. Which, I don't understand her um, looking over her shoulder all the time, because the whole thing about Jason is he stays within Camp Crystal Lake, but Except then again he, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I had a problem with this because, I mean, I know that this is like the introduction of Jason, really, so they're, they're still kind of laying the groundwork about how he is, but I don't understand why they have him like go into the city, how he's able to track this person down in the first place. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's just like a, he's like a... Well, and I mean, we got this whole recap of her beheading 
um, his mother mm-hmm. and him apparently seeing it through, you know how people talk about drunk acting mm-hmm. a lot? I think we need to start talking about nightmare acting. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because, uh... Like the twisting and turning? Yeah. Yeah. I, listeners, Travis talks in his sleep, and I've been known to sleepwalk. And I don't think either of us has ever explicitly stated what was happening in our dreams as we clutched the covers that we were laying on top of fully clothed. Did I not tell you that one time that I was dreaming about sumo wrestlers? Uh, no. You were saying, fight them, gotta fight them, gotta fight them. And I said, who are you fighting, Travis? And you said, uh, the sumos. And I was like, (laughs) are you winning? And you said, of course, Jesse. (laughs) In that tone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Travis is uh, pretty sassy when he sleeps, but it's never, like, a full... Exp- I don't know if you've ever spoken to a sleep-talking person. I highly recommend it because it's hilarious. One time, Travis, sleep sleep. Travis couldn't remember the word for uh, blanket. I don't remember. Except it's... it wasn't a blanket. It was a towel that you wanted. You said you wanted the warm square. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do remember that now, Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like the cheesy effects of, like, her dream, like, ooh, shaky screen. And then we basically just watched the last, what, 20 minutes of the first movie in clips and pieces, including unnecessary things. Like, we could have just seen her chop off Betsy Palmer's head and Jason jump up out of the lake. Boom, we're caught up. That's really all you need to know because later on at the Camp Counselor Training Center, we get the whole campfire story of what happened. Yeah. So we get so much exposition for this movie that it's ridiculous. And we could have spent it more on the, like, four times as many counselors <laughs> as yeah. we get in this one. I I did like the opening. I didn't like the fact that they did the flashback because that definitely did feel like they were padding. It trying felt to get like padding like a, and yeah. it was cheesy effects. I, this is also where I had one of my first issues with um, Steve Miner's directing. Yeah. Is, uh, like, you know, the whole looking over her shoulder thing. Yeah. She yanks back the shower curtain for absolutely no reason. Do you not get paranoid with stuff like that? That's, like, something that I would feel would be real. Like, I've done that before. I know, but she gets out of the shower seemingly not having finished her shower. She looked like she did to me. No, her hair was only half wet. You don't always wash your hair. You should know I, that. I know, but I don't get it half wet on days I don't wash it. Yeah. I just, it was just weird the way she yanked it back and was looking directly at the camera like she was, it, it felt like it was meant to be a Jason POV shot, but it wasn't. I like that. I thought it was kind of cool. I didn't like it so I, I like the whole thing. <laughs> I thought that the whole, so if they cut all of the flashback stuff and just had the whole thing with her in the apartment... I think that would have been really effective because I, I kind of like the tension that it had. Yeah, I completely understand her being paranoid and having that that PTSD yeah. and all of that going on. And, um, you know, the cat jumping through the window was nice. Very, very much similar. like Zoe. Yeah, very much like Zoe, including the whole, uh, what we call <laughs> the C jump, where her body just makes a C and all four paws move together. Um <laughs> And also, much like Zoe, um, the cat was pissed when Alice gets killed before she can feed it. Was it even her cat? I didn't get the impression it was. Well, she was gonna feed it. The people, we have friends that do that. I know. That's. I guess that's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, 
Yeah. And he makes it known to her. And this is... I like this bit because normally, you know, when villains explain why they're doing it, it's this whole big long monologue. Mm-hmm. But instead, Alice opens her fridge and there's Mrs. Voorhees' head. And then Jason's like, so now you're dead because you killed her. Like, that's all you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the very definition of show and tell. I, you know... Not my favorite opening in a horror movie. I was kind of dreading this bit. <laughs> really? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. But it, it, I guess, is effective enough f- for us to at least get closure on Alice. I think this is um, trying to make it more of a story rather than a vehicle for deaths in yeah. this one. I do think there was much more of an attempt at storytelling here. The characters are better in this one, too. They are, which is, I think, hilarious because they had so many more characters, but they found better ways to, like, give us distinct personalities for each of them. Yeah. So I think that that was a little bit more effective. But yeah, so we have all of these. We start off with um, Jeff and Sandra are in a payphone talking to Ted. Is Ted the new Ned? Oh. He makes a lot of poop jokes. He is the new Ned. Yeah, so (laughs) it's like a thing that pretty much every single Friday the 13th has like a comedian type character. Yep. At least this one is uh, not quite as unbearable. And he seems to be a little bit more responsible. He is is an assistant at the counselor training center. He's got charisma. Yeah. I mean, he's he's okay. He's goofy, but he's not, like, I wasn't rooting for him to die. You know what I mean? And he doesn't. And he's he one, doesn't. He's actually, like, one of the only ones. Um, the whole went, group that went to the bar. Yeah. I, that we're going to... Well, I was we talking about talk just about comedian characters. Later. He's the only one, I think, that doesn't die in the entire series. I could oh. be wrong as we cover these more, but, you know, I believe that's the case. I mean, we only got ten to go. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Jeff and Sandra are rolling into town like the beginning of the first one, um, except they're not hitchhiking. Yeah, they're just lost. Yeah, they're stopping at a payphone to call and uh, get directions. Meanwhile, some guy is towing them immediately after they park their car. (laughs) And they're running up beside him. He is clearly fucking with them. And like at first, I thought he was just a tow truck driver that's just over all of this shit yeah me too because um, he's driving slow enough for them to run beside him and he can clearly hear them and he's like barely hiding a smile and i was like yeah. man this guy just doesn't give a fuck yeah he just like enjoys it <laughs> but it turns out he's ted's friend oh ted oh, ted. <laughs> oh theodore <laughs> <laughs> so then ted gets in the truck with them and tells the beginning of a joke, the scene cuts away, and then we hear the end of the joke, which ends with. Uh, oh no! You get the whole joke if you read the subtitles. If you if you don't have subtitles on, you're not going to hear this. I did. Thing. I missed the middle part of the joke because there was a bear and a rabbit in the woods, and then the next thing I heard was, "Bear wiped his ass with the rabbit." The bear asks, "Do you have a problem with getting shit on your fur?" Like implying that you know he has mm-hmm. trouble with the getting on his, and then the rabbit says no, and then. The bear takes the rabbit and wipes his ass with the rabbit. It's a stupid joke. It is a stupid joke. It's a joke. bad joke, but, you know. Okay. I'm, well, I'm glad that that actually answered that question. Because I was really hoping that they wrote this script and they didn't have a full joke there. And they were just like, and the bear wiped his ass with the <laughs> rabbit. Like, what happened? I'm yeah. missing this. Okay. Cool. Um, Ralph. Ralph is back. 
So we know this time around that he's not the killer. So he, he's not the red herring that he was in the first one. He's just the crazy guy that is going around telling people that Camp Blood and they're doomed. You know, all that shit. And it is the same lake that Camp Blood was on. They're sharing, they said they're sharing the lake. And I'm confused because is this a camp counselor training center or is it meant to be a camp? Because the sign doesn't say camp. It says counselor training center. I don't think that they're anticipating any campers here. Okay, so it's just like a regional counselor training center. Yeah, I think so. Which seems confusing because I feel like every camp has its own rules and guidelines. And the guy was even talking specifically about we're going to focus on the basics, like fire building and survivalism. Yeah, it's weird. But we get um, at least a little bit of diversity in the cast. Mm -hmm. Um, Not a ton, but we do have uh, Mark is in a wheelchair. Yeah. We find out that's the result of a motorcycle accident. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a black counselor. I did think I he doesn't missed really play a lot a part. of names. Yeah. I don't think they give him a name. Um, okay. he's just kind of there as like, you know, a part of the group. There's a lot of counselors here. Yeah. There's, like, there's a lot of them. them. Yeah, yeah. We really get, get just kind of glimpses of them when they're all together. Basically ha- more than half of them go out to the bars for most of this movie. Yeah. You know, they, they've got situations for why a handful of them have to stay back. But we don't get much beyond, like, seeing group interactions of them eating and swimming. And names aren't always explicitly mentioned. I think they were mostly trying to focus on us meeting the doomed-to-die ones. Yeah. It uh, it gives it more of that, like, real feel to it, I think. Which, that is nice, at least. Because I know that tends to be a horror movie trope about... um, the black person black characters getting killed off mm-hmm. so yeah so they, yeah that's untouched. at least nice yeah. this maybe in some ways was fairly progressive because uh you know mark is able to maneuver around the camp without an issue and this was a full nine years before ada was signed into law so yeah he's clearly like physically capable of getting around and handling himself um, and they're all experienced counselors too which i thought was nice instead of like in the first one where I was like, how the fuck are these people supposed to look after children? They they are children. Yeah. Uh, they they all have counseling experience, um, camp counseling experience, not, um, you know, therapy counseling. I like the um, the head counselor in this one a lot better than the first movies. Paul? Paul, yeah. Yeah, he's got his shit together. Yeah, he's confident. He, yeah, he seems like an actual proper business owner ready to talk and lead people. Mm-hmm. Unlike um, Lumberjack Steve in the first one who didn't even have the camp ready to go by the time staff were arriving didn't give them time to get trained because they had to put gutters on the building wasn't even there for most of the movie yeah exactly so paul seems pretty competent he's uh you know aside from the fact that he what came first the counselor assistant or the girlfriend i think that it is implied i think that they have a history okay that's kind of what i got too so she i was trying to figure out if he crossed a professional boundary and started hitting on this assistant trainer or if she got the job through nepotism yeah i don't think in this case i think the nepotism was less squicky so yeah yeah he's um it's not bad in this one i don't believe paul's a good guy he wouldn't do that i mean i mean he makes mention of it he is doing it (laughs) (laughs) He literally would do it because we see him do it. Yeah. Ralph sees him do it, too. We're not there yet. That's true. But... <laughs> yeah. Speaking of her inner um, 
Ginny. Shows up late. Mm-hmm. Not a good start. Ball off. Yep. And then we see, you know, he he does what he tends to do with all of the counselors in this movie where they make a mistake and, you know, he's like, don't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Paul's very forgiving in this movie. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know. I don't think a boss has to be a hard ass to be a good boss. And no. I don't think he has to be a total pushover either. I think he rides that line well enough, especially yeah. considering it's day one. Um, and when she points out that she had car trouble and she tried to call but couldn't because the phones weren't connected. I think once he realized, oh, this was my bad, Yeah. he kind of let it go. Which is good because he had to get out there in time to tell the rest of the counselors that bears are dangerous. Yeah, despite what you hear is <laughs> what he says. Despite what you yeah. hear, bears are dangerous. Yeah, who's going around telling people that bears are not a problem? Yeah, like, oh, they're cute. They're cuddly. It's fine. It's cool. Um, I also want to note that this was the entrance of Muffin. Yeah, Muffin! Muffin's a cute little Muffin. dog that's just running around. Uh, I don't know. There's really nothing else yeah, to say about it. Muffin's to, great. Yeah, Muffin is great. Muffin's got a bow in her hair. She's got nice white fur that manages to stay pretty clean considering she's outside in the woods. Yeah. We're Team Muffin all the way here. Yes. Very fond of Muffin, um, probably more so than Terry is, considering how often Terry seems to lose Muffin. Yeah, she's super not concerned about Muffin. Yeah. So now it cuts to um, the camp. They're having the campfire, and he's given the whole camp tale of Jason. Um, so this is some stuff that I have issue with here. Okay. Even though I love this movie. So they say that the original events of... The first movie were five years ago. Yep. They say that Jason killed Alice two months later. Okay. Said he's full grown by then. So he turned from a little boy to a grown man in a matter of two months. He had a training montage as he was preparing for his revenge. That could have been he, he a better He did a two-month montage yeah. <laughs> to prepare to kill Alice. <laughs> I was just, like, thinking of um, It's Always Sunny. Like, talking about, like, the baby boy thing. Then yeah, Dee's like, what the fuck are you talking about, Charlie? Baby boy? He's like, he's not a boy, he's a man. <laughs> Maybe that's what Jason was this whole time. Yeah, that that didn't that rubbed me the wrong way. Well also him being a little boy in the first one didn't really make sense either if we follow the mm -hmm. timeline of when he drowned versus when this was open. Yeah, I actually saw um I really think the continuity is wrong in the first one. So because they added in that ending that was bullshit and shouldn't have been in the movie in the first place. But Sean Cunningham uh, and Tom Savini and I think somebody else. I think it may have been um, the guy who did the music. But they mentioned how stupid it was that um, they're like, okay, so if Jason was a man at this point and saw this whole thing at this whole time, couldn't he have not told his mother? That he was okay, and they could have prevented the entire events of the first movie? Uh, yeah, I have a whole tangent about that in my notes later okay. on. Because when we see it, when we see... I know we're not there yet, but we see Jason Shack, and I was just like, man, he's not living too well. I don't think Pets Betsy Palmer would put up with this. And then I was like, well, no, she thinks that he's dead. So this kid is going around avenging his mother's death and protecting his woods... Mm -hmm. But he didn't even tell his mama that he's alive? Nope. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's it's got problems. Yeah. I'll, I'll admit that this movie has some 
problems, but I don't think that they really cared. Well, because it wasn't ever, the sequel wasn't ever meant to exist. It yeah. was never meant to be a thing. And this was like released a year, this is 1981. Yeah, so a year, a year after. after. They obviously scrambled to get a sequel out because it was such a success in the box office whenever it released. So I don't think that they were concerned about that. I think they wanted to continue the Halloween um, ripoff. So they went with, okay, we'll have Jason do it. But, you know, you can't have the mom do it anymore because she's dead. Yeah. And Jason was alive in the end, so fuck it. Let's just make it Jason this time. But I, I think, you know, this campfire scene serves much better exposition than the actual exposition we than had. the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It um, should have started with this. Yeah, because it, it, it's important to know that he's, like, supposedly protecting his woods, that he's avenging his mother, that, you know, they're, they're assuming that he doesn't understand basic social norms. Yeah, um, which he clearly doesn't. So, uh, it, it, and it does all play a part later. Mm-hmm. It just also makes me really mad that we had to watch those godforsaken flashbacks at the beginning of the movie just to get this. Yeah. Uh, I liked this scene in the rec room right after where we get just like little vignettes into different characters' relationships with one another. Yeah. You know, Scott hitting on Terry, Terry shooting him down, and then Scott dancing with Muffin. Yeah, I thought that, that was sweet. <laughs> that was cute. It's like he didn't take it hard. He's just like, okay, I'm going to dance with the dog now, which yeah. I would have done in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, uh, not talking to you, Terry. I'm yeah. talking to Muffin. Muffin, do you want to dance with me? <laughs> yeah, it was a good way to establish the characters without yeah. like doing it in such a way that was so obvious yeah i i thought that it was it was nice because you get a little bit of a glimpse into each but like everybody feels different enough yeah um and i mean obviously none of these characters is fully fleshed out which is to be expected when you've got this like such a hot so much of a higher number of people to meet and work with uh, but I think that they did it more effectively than the first movie did with five counselors. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So, I, you know, that, like, can I retroactively take points away from the first one? I... Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, especially, like, God, I, maybe Steve Miner learned from the first one. Maybe he was like, oh, I need to just not just phone it in because this actually is something. Yeah. I don't know. But I liked the awkward dancing right in front of the door. And just like... Muffin sees Muffin. Jason out there, too. Yeah, Muffin is a... Uh, Muffin's a good girl. Yeah, she knows what's up. She's a good girl. Uh, we see Paul and Ginny making out. Yeah. And this is where we have the whole discussion about him acknowledging that it's not appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he makes a comment about how he shouldn't be doing it, I guess, but I mean, I think with they both acknowledge that, you know, they have that history. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I don't think he would have done this with any other person there. Yeah, I, I really do think it's more of a, you know, just a situation where he's got this thing going on and his girlfriend used to be a counselor and she's just going to come help and yeah. be an assistant. I think really more it, the issue is that she showed up late and he's trying not to show favoritism towards right. her. I think yeah. that's a big thing with it. Um, just to give and from when you were talking about the original about how you didn't know the age of any of these people how you thought that they maybe were maybe were kids themselves 
Everybody here is at least of drinking age. Yes. So they are all over 21. So we're dealing with adults this time. Yeah, sure. I didn't have ambiguity with them this time. They yeah. all seem to actually be adults that know how to do adult things. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it, even though that, that's what I'm saying. The first one, it's so all over the place with the way it's written. But this one is a little bit more, you get much more of a sense of these characters, even without anything being explicitly stated. Right, yeah. It's much more effective. Yeah. Um, Ralph, you know, back to doing his Harbinger of Doom thing. And uh, he gets sidetracked because I guess he's waiting to see if Paul and Jenny are going to do it. Yeah. And he's just outside. And then Jason's like, hey, man, Pervin ain't cool. And this is uh, where we start to see he's picked up on his mother's morality policing. Yeah. Because um, he, he chokes Ralph out from behind the tree with some wire see i don't even think that he has like that morality thing with this he's just killing it's just if you're in his territory like you're gonna die um because he I mean he does the same thing with the cop later that's true i mean but yeah. i just it although the cop did enter his home yeah he was running away from the cop i i retract uh, that's that yeah that's that's a stand your ground moment that's uh. true yeah he had every right to kill that cop <laughs> whoa <laughs> <laughs> Don't... Travis is going to end up on a list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, and I don't know if it... Because I, I said when we talked about the first one, there is definitely this whole element with this series that everybody knows if you have sex, you're going to die. And I know it's not just this series, it's horror movies in general, but it, it feels so much more overt in this one. This one and has I a lot more sex in it. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just because everybody is horny out here in the woods, or, you know, and that tends to be, you know, he's doing all of his stalking in the woods, at counselor training, at parties, at, you know, yeah. things like that. But it, it feels so consistent that it can't just be coincidental you know what i mean yeah i can see where you're coming from with that and maybe it wasn't intentional god knows there's plenty of these movies that don't feel intentional at all so yeah. but, but I, I just think he's more of just like he's just a killer he's territorial is this thing yeah i, I don't know I don't know. I do know that Paul is a dick because uh, it looks like he wrote on Jenny's mirror with her lipstick. Beware of bears. Did he do that? She woke up in the morning. Yeah, well, because I think he realized that saying bears are dangerous was dumb. But he wrote <laughs> beware of bears on her mirror in what looked like lipstick. Wow. And I don't think I have to tell you that if you smashed a tube of my lipstick up against the mirror, I wouldn't be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it's not cute. I hate seeing things like that in movies where lipstick is used. God, we watched New York Ripper this weekend, too, and she's... She did it herself. The biker, yeah, was using her lipstick to write in a dude's windshield. I just, I... You really wanted to get across the point that you do not want to fuck with bears. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry I told you guys last year that bears are okay. <laughs> I really want to let you guys know that they are not okay this time. He, he, uh... He feels the same way you do about unedited footage of a bear. Yeah. <laughs> God, that, that short fucks me up. He can't he can't listen to the song Sermon. Stress <laughs> it, he gets sweaty Gives and me PTSD, nervous. <laughs> yeah. Um So now we're muffin disappears. Yeah. Muffin 
finds Jason because she's a good girl. She knew he was outside last night. She was like, listen, these people are all dumb and I don't want them to die and I'm a good girl. So I'm going to go take care of this. So I want to go ahead and insert this now. The I'm, dog doesn't die. No, I, no, <laughs> I'm thinking of, um, this is another It's Always Sunny thing. I'm thinking that this is like a Poppins scenario. So Poppins, it looks a lot like Poppins. If you guys are familiar with it, It's Always Sunny. <laughs> Poppins is Max's dog that always goes missing and always, like, they think dies. But it miraculously comes back every single time. So this is where Poppins dies here. Muffin dies, or meets Jason, and we're led to believe that he dies, or she dies. Yeah, we, we, we definitely, and, like, Terry, this is what I'm saying, Terry's just chill as fuck about the fact that her dog's missing. She's like... Muffin? Muffin? They're like, Terry, food's ready? She's like, ah, fuck Muffin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, which was upsetting because we just saw, we just saw Muffin confront Jason. Yeah. Um, so after they eat, they go swimming because the whole no swimming 30 minutes after you eat is a myth. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to deduct points here because... Good on them, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just accurate. They're just, you know what, they're using the energy that their food made from... Cracking shitty yeah. jokes. Yeah, literally shitty jokes. Ted is all about these poop jokes. Always the, with the poop jokes. Oh, and somebody says something about a frog in a blender. I forget which one it was. It's Jenny. I, was it Jenny? Yeah. Okay. But this is when but Jeff this... and Sandra decide to sneak off to they... Camp Crystal Lake, or Deci- Camp Blood. Decide to sneak off. They make... They talk about it literally... Within earshot yeah. of everybody, Sandra's like, "Hey Jeff, remember what I said about wanting to go to Camp Blood? <laughs> they won't notice if we leave right now." And uh, you know who did notice? Nobody. The, the cop. The oh yeah. The cop noticed them in Camp Blood. The cop is weird because I don't understand this thing. Does he just patrol? Um, the whole lake, just, you know, the, he seems very much aware of Jason, but he sees Jason run away from him, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, Um, so he he takes them back to the camp and this is where... Well, wait, Jeff and Sandra, this is when they come across Muffin. Well, okay, here's what confused me, because when they're like, is that a dog? And he was like, I can't even tell what it is. Um, it's clearly Muffin. Yeah, it, it clearly is Muffin. And then later, when they get back to the camp, Terry's like, should we tell... Or, no, uh, Sandra's like, should we tell Terry about Muffin? And just like, no, I'm just going to pretend I didn't see anything. So could they tell it was Muffin? Couldn't they? I don't know. Spoiler! So that way you guys aren't stressed the way I was the whole time. Muffin isn't dead. I don't know. This might just be a random dog. Yeah, which is exactly still like very, muffin. very sad. Yeah. Um, still not cool with the dead animal. No, I didn't thing. like that either. It's uh, kind of unnecessary. Yeah, Especially- it really was. It really was unnecessary. Muffin could have just been missing. We didn't have to see a dead animal Although, body. Although, you know what? Actually, I'm going to give this... Um, that. I think that it could have actually been Muffin dead. And I'll explain this later once we get to okay. the end of the movie. Okay. So, they're freaking out over maybe Muffin, maybe not Muffin, I don't know. Um, and while they're doing that, a cop comes up behind them, because the cop probably also lives in the woods with Jason. Uh, Seemingly, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
And he is not amused that they're out there because he's been talking to Ralph and knows that this is camp blood. <laughs> and he takes them back and Paul just could not give less of a fuck. It's great. I loved it, man. I loved the way that Paul was, stuck up for yeah. them in this scene. It and was the so cool. Like, oh, no discipline or anything. Yeah. And he said, Jenny, make sure they don't get seconds of dessert at dinner. <laughs> Hell yeah, Paul! I love that line so much. It was so good. I fucking, yeah, that made me love Paul. Like, I don't know. That was, that was really... Great like, character. Yeah, he was such a change for Lumberjack Steve. Doesn't have the same fashion sense, so he does lose like half a point there. But overall, he's much better to be running this counselor training center. Yeah, he's so. wearing a Yankees cap here. I have a bone to pick with him. Yeah, about I that. was gonna ask how you felt about his uh, baseball mm -mm. team preferences. <laughs> I'm a Braves fan, and it's not like the Yankees are even in our league, but um, I just, I don't know. They're the team that, hey, I don't like them. I've been raised to not like them. I don't like them. It's a family tradition. It is. <laughs> so the cop is, you know, driving home, mumbling to himself, probably practicing all of the comebacks that he wished he'd said to Paul, <laughs> as one does in their car on the way home from a stressful day at work. And then he sees somebody in the woods. And even though he's obviously convinced Jason still exists, he's like, you know what? Fuck them kids, bro. And gets out of his car and starts chasing this person. Um... Who was clearly a lot faster than him. Who is clearly running kind of slowly, too. Yeah. But, yeah, he chases him all the way down into this house that it appears that Jason has made himself. Our house is generous. It is uh, pieces of aluminum and, like... Wood. Wood. Uh, there's like some old tarp over top of it. It's just, it's really clearly scraps that he's gathered, which is confusing to me because this whole part of the woods is, um, you know, off limits to everybody. Yeah. It's being kept as like private property or whatever. I don't think it's actually, I don't know who owns the property technically now. The share, the cop had said that it's condemned. I don't know how you can condemn woods. Um, <laughs> but you know, if the old camp is empty, why isn't Jason staying in one of the cabins? That's what I was thinking, too. Why would he, like, just build his own home and Cause not my, stay in the cabin? Like, and honestly, my first thought was there's no way that these cabins deteriorated this mm -hmm. badly in five years. And I was like, oh, no. He built his own cat his, his own shack somehow he got a toilet i like that yeah <laughs> I, I thought that was so strange that he like he this guy has been living in the woods this entire time but he sees a toilet and he understands that like yeah. that's something that you need yeah i mean I, how many times do you gotta squat before you decide you just don't want to squat anymore yeah, he's been doing it his whole life yeah i just ugh. but yeah he's man i mean jason for all his flaws he's not a terrible amateur architect hmm so, he's got, the, and the cop is just, you know, looking around, which, cop or not, you're in somebody's private space without any kind of reason. Yeah. And, um... This is why I said Jason had a right to do what he had to do, because this guy is just, like, yeah. breaking into his home. Yeah. And he's, I think he's got a gun drawn, or he's got a weapon, I think. Or maybe not, I don't know. I don't think he even announced himself when he came in. No, he and, just barges in. And even if he had, he doesn't have a warrant. No. He's got no probable cause. Oh, like, oh, chasing somebody to their home in the woods? 
Maybe they don't want to talk to you because you're overreacting. (laughs) (laughs) Can't really blame Jason here. But yeah, he makes quick work of him. To be fair, though, the cop clearly finds the death shrine. So, you know. That's true, yeah. We don't He's not entirely wrong. Yeah, but like, you know, the cop shouldn't have been there in the first place. There's no way that he would have known he actually was going to be stumbling into a serial killer's home. Yeah. He did. I mean, either way, he's not a cop anymore because he's dead. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's it for him. Yeah. But we're back to the campsite now. And this is when the punishments actually come for Jeff and Sandra, which isn't really much. They all decided that they're going to go out into the town and drink. Yep, um, at, a, at a yeehaw bar. This is where um, we separate who is actually important in the cast and who are just there as filler. Yep. Except for maybe Except three for, characters. Yeah, Ginny, Paul, and um, Ted are three of the w- people that go to the bar. And that's just important for plot points later. Yeah. Um, everybody else goes. Jeff and Sandra are required to stay back to watch the camp, which I think... You know what? That's fair. Yeah. In terms of punishment. Like, you know... I, they were trespassing in the woods. Like, I just... I kind of agree with Paul. Like, do you need more intense punishment than that? No, no that's it, stupid. Like, yeah, they're just they, curious. They're, they feel like Jason is an urban legend at this point. All they really did was just trespassing, and it wasn't even enough for the cop to want to give them a citation or anything. So yeah. <sighs> we have the rest of them. We have Mark, Vicky... Yeah. Um, yeah, Mark is, um, just to recap, so we, we're all on the same page, Mark is the guy in the wheelchair mm-hmm. after the motorcycle accident, Vicky wants Mark to be inside of her, yeah. um, Terry still hasn't found Muffin, Scott still hasn't gotten Terry interested in him, yeah. um, and then obviously we have Jeff and Sandra. Yeah, and this is when the movie ramps up the whole yes, killing. This is when really we start does. to yeah, it like it gets to the killing pretty fast. Like it's like one after another. So Terry goes out by herself, and she tries to find Muffin, but then decides she must skinny dip first. Debut of boobies in the series. I remember you had an issue with yes, that in the first there one. Were, yes, there were plenty of boobies here. Um, Scott crosses some, you know, moral boundaries by stealing her clothes. Which, yeah. Uh, like, I don't know. If I was skinny dipping and you stole my clothes, I'd... That's a different thing. Yeah, it's a different That's thing. That's a prank. Like, yeah, if it's, like, some it's, random dude that you're at, like, It's a, a prank. Yeah. I've consented to nakedness with you before like he's still in the hitting on her phase and that's just not that's not Not cool cool. yeah and it really like it made me happy that he stepped into the rope trap because i was like you know this is what you deserve i don't think he deserved to die no but to dangle upside down for a few minutes i thought that was fair yeah that's fair um also side note yeah so the actor that plays scott russell todd he plays rick in Chopping Mall. I was like, man, that bone structure and those eyebrows look awfully familiar to me. I didn't even recognize it. I did. I love Chopping Mall. That's a good Mall catch. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he... Uh, he's tied he's up. He's tied up, upside down. I guess they have not covered rope traps, flare, snares? Snares, that's the word mm-hmm. that I'm thinking of. 
they haven't covered snares yet in their counselor training. So uh, Terry's like, let me go get a knife and I'll cut you down. But Jason obviously had other plans. Uh, because cuts his throat. Yep. Which was Which very that... much brutal in like the uncut version. It was very brutal, but also... <sighs> now, I've never used a machete. Yeah. But I feel like the angle of how the machete passed his neck versus where the cut actually was, yeah. it didn't... Didn't work? Yeah, it, it felt instead of, you know, the blade being perpendicular to his neck, it was parallel. Okay. Is how it looked on the screen. Um, and even if you want to say, like, maybe it was at a slight angle... Um, she is it, chopping my neck right now. I am. I'm chopping his <laughs> neck. I, <laughs> um, even if you want to say that it's at a slight angle, the business side of the machete or whatever isn't the side that's where the cut appears. Yeah. It's a little bit confusing. Um, and I think that's probably more just an editing issue with the way the effects and stuff were done. Yeah, most likely. But that was, it was a little bit distracting. And this whole movie has bad fake blood it's not the worst fake blood i've ever seen but it's all it's very bright red uh yeah it's not the worst but it's, it's not, not the, the best. worst but it's not the best i've i've seen worse you're um, gonna follow tom savini you need yeah, to have some good blood yeah you follow tom savini but uh, we we just marathoned all of the joyride movies and there was a lot of bad fake blood in those yeah. <laughs> so you know my it, it's all relative you know <laughs> Yeah. It's not bright red paint, so I'll I'll excuse it. I think the worst defense is when we see the blood sh the bed sheets later that are like bloodied. I didn't think they looked bad. But it's bright red, and when blood dries, it gets dark, especially yeah, in a bed true. sheet. Yeah, that's true. But it was so. a fresh. It was fresh. It it would have dried some. It's a lot of blood. It's a lot of blood, but it wouldn't still be bright red. I agree to disagree. No. I'm right on this. Agree to disagree. No, disagree to agree to disagree. <laughs> we'll deal with this later. No, this is what this podcast <laughs> is. I have a lot more experience with blood than you, man. Okay, fine. Oh, okay, so we haven't gotten to Terry's death yet. Scott gets his throat slit while Terry's looking for the knife. Then it goes to the bar and shows Ginny, Paul, and Ted are all talking to each other. Ginny thinks that Jason actually, like, isn't an urban legend, which she's right, but, you know, in... Paul and Ted's defense, why the fuck would they think she's right? You know what I mean? Yeah. She does use an R word that's really uncool, so I didn't Different like times, that. Yeah. Different times. Which that doesn't so, excuse it, it it's, but, you know, it is yeah. what it is. You have to accept this stuff at this point. Just don't like it. No. Um, also, they were like, she, they were like, he never was around other kids. He died at camp. Yeah. He died at summer camp. He's been around other kids. In later movies, it's shown that the kids push him in. Yeah. So, I don't know. Did she not pay attention to all the exposition? She only got Campfire exposition. She didn't get Alice exposition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, we're back at the cabin. Terry's died at, at this cabin. point, but whatever. We'll pass over that. We're back at the cabin, and Vicky is asking Mark if his dick works. Um. <laughs> yeah, in a way that... Is what she's asking. <laughs> she, like, it's not subtle at all. No. She is, like, full-on flirting with him, which, you know what? Good for you, girl. And I like that she was willing to flirt with him without knowing if it's gonna be full uh, P and V. You know what I mean? Like He doesn't even really give her an answer. He's like, I find ways. <laughs> yeah, like, I... Well, okay, that we'll works. We'll see what happens. And then like, she, like, offers him a joint, and he's like, I'm training. And she's like, 
what are you training for? And then he gets like, this confused look on his face, like, what am I training for? That's what I like. What's the song about? Yeah, anymore? like he keeps saying it throughout this movie, but when he's actually asked about it, he doesn't have an answer. <laughs> it would have been nice to know. I think, um, let's see, the two video games that she gave him a choice between were like, what, baseball and hockey? Fo- no, football and hockey. Football and hockey. So maybe he's training for football and he was sad that she chose hockey. Yeah. Uh, he's just like, she just can't pick up on any of my hints. So she decides she's going to go get sexy. It, here's where I need your expertise. Okay. She changes out of black panties mm-hmm. into brown, <laughs> scrunchy, satin <laughs> panties. Yeah. Are those sexier than the black ones? Um... They didn't, the only difference I noticed was, like, that they were a different color. Um, but no, it doesn't really affect anything. I mean, I She feel, seemed quite pleased when she pulled those out of the drawer, like, yeah. yeah. I was kind of surprised, personally, that that was her special underwear. Like, <laughs> this is your move right here? Okay, so it's not just, you know... No. Okay. I don't know what the lingerie lingerie situation was back in those days but i wouldn't really say that that was a sexy piece of lingerie okay i just wanted to make sure that it wasn't just me and my own personal taste i thought it was interesting that she like sprayed perfume down her underpants is that a thing no it shouldn't be a thing that's that's how you get a yeast infection i put that in my notes i was like cool you are gonna need to go to the doctor soon yeah i didn't Um, think that that was a thing you're gonna have a yeast infection. You're gonna have a, like some type of it's a UTI. I don't know. You're gonna do something down there that you don't want to do. That's gonna be painful, and you're gonna have to take medicine that sucks. Yeah. Like it's just it's a bad idea. There are other things you can do if you want to smell good down in that area. Like take a bath or shower. Take a bath. Take a shower. Put some lotion like yeah. you know on your inner thighs or something. But don't fucking spray perfume down there she probably also uses a douche ladies don't use douches i've heard the vagina is self-cleaning it manages its own ph don't listen to summer's eve and whatever those other douchey douche companies tell you they're wrong you'll be okay don't get perfume don't listen to travis he does not have a vagina i'm sorry if you didn't want anybody to know that (laughs) it's okay i saw it in a movie once But yeah, so she's getting sexy, and this is my... Debatably. So this right here, after this, okay, this is Mark's death scene. I would put Mark's death within the top five in the entire franchise. I would put it maybe up as high as... You know, for now, I'm going to put it as number one. It's probably my number one favorite death in the entire franchise. Are you laughing at my pin? Yeah. I do this all the time. (laughs) It's just really distracting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so... Mark's death is awesome, so he's willing himself out there. It's raining, and he's looking Which for Vicky. Which I want to point out that um, this is the second movie out of two movies so far where a woman has been inexplicably outside not wearing pants, and it starts to rain. Wasn't the first one the Friday the 13th? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's just their thing. That's yeah, their signature. That's, I'm get, we're going to keep track of this. If there, I'm going to see if there's a pantsless lady in the rain in all of these. So we'll see, okay. we'll see what happens. But anyways, Mark, so he's willing himself out there, and then he, like, somebody's creeping up from behind him, and then bam, he's got 
Gets like the machete right into his face. Yeah, across Wheels his whole back, face. Wheels all the way down the stairs. And I love that shot of like the stairs and like his body just like going down. Like I, it's just so effective. It's so creepy. But yeah, it does like a freeze frame when he's halfway down the stairs. And part of me wanted to know like how far his body goes. I think he goes all the way down. Like his chair is like handling those stairs surprisingly well. I don't understand <laughs> how they got that shot. You know, I don't think we have seen where Terry died. I don't We've have it in my notes. We've lost over Terry. Yeah, she, I don't have she it. She had a forgettable notes. death. I think. Yeah, I think she probably just died when she went and found Scott dead. I think Jason just killed her then. I think she, we see it. Yeah. But I just yeah, this couldn't happen. I, I just don't remember how it happened. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. If she's lame death. Yeah. That's fine. Um, can't all be winners. <laughs> so then we get the two for one special. Because. Uh, Good. Yeah, and Jeff and Sandra are mm-hmm. all post-coital up there. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Another shot that was butchered from getting cut material. Which, thank God, Jeff is allowed the dignity of dying without that stupid fucking hat on his head. Oh, my yeah, God, I hated time, that hat! All I could think was ACDC whenever I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It just is not a good hat. It's not a good look. No. And also, like, I'm a thick-haired person, and uh, he's clearly a thick-haired person, too. You gotta be careful with hats, making sure they fit your head the right way, because they'll, like, sit on top of your hair. Yeah. Um, if they don't fit right, and it just looks weird, and it makes you look like you have an extra big head, and the, the cut and style of the hat wasn't flattering either. No, it was not a good hat. Yeah, this is what I think is probably the coolest death in the movie, is just the spear through um, through both of them down to the floor. You like this one better than Mark's? Yeah. Really? I do. Why? I don't know. Something kind of romantic it's so about brief. it. It's so They die, like, they die together. I don't know. The shot, the extended shot is brutal. Yeah, the extended shot is actually, that was probably the most effective of the extended shots. Because, you know, in the movie, you just see, like, bloody spear. Yeah, going through the bed. Jason come up, and then you see the bloody spear on the floor. Whereas in the extended cut, you see it go through them. And you see Sandra's face as she dies. And, like, a shot of, like, Um, the spear, like, through his back, and he's just wiggling around. Yeah, it's, it's good shit. But then... Vicky comes back to the cabin. She doesn't know Mark's dead. She hasn't died yet herself. And we see Baghead Jason! I love this scene, too. Like, it's such a... So it had been a while since I'd seen this, and I thought that that was actually going to be Jeff under there again. But then when he came out from under the sheets, like, I thought, like, holy shit, this is actually really creepy. Her death... (sighs) Pissed me off because she could have run. She could have. She's just standing there... Run, rabbit, run! <laughs> like, it just, I was like, God damn it, Vicky, move! Move your ass! But she didn't, and she, she died. She gets stabbed. Is yeah. Hugh, um, Paul, and Ginny they're coming, coming back, back to from the bar. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so they go back to the bar, and they notice that the power is kind of out the kitchen. No, 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 on. they come back in, and they're like, all the lights are still on in the cabin. And I know that they said this, because later when the power does get cut, they complain about the power being cut. And I was like, well, which one is it? Do you want the lights to be off, or do you want them to be on? Yeah. And I know, in context, what they're saying makes sense. But it was just kind of funny to have those lines, like, a minute apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they come back. And they're 
you know, they automatically feel like something isn't right, which good on them yeah. um, to not just be like, hmm, this is weird. Guess it's probably fine. Like, they're like, hmm, no, this is weird. This is wrong. They go upstairs. They see the uh, bed sheets with the paint on them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then lights out, turn on the radio. Um, they turn that shit up. Jason and Paul fight while Ginny watches. Yeah, she doesn't help <laughs> at all. Paul! Paul? Yeah. Paul? I'm just watching it. <laughs> like she could have grabbed some, smash a vase over Jason's head. So easily. I don't know, do yeah. something. Um, but Paul was taken out. We get product placement as she runs and hides in the bathroom for her Lee jeans. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're right there. And this, I think, was actually a really effective jump scare because, you know, he was pulling on the bathroom yeah. door and uh, she's like getting ready to sneak out the window and like you know it's coming but i still i actually literally jumped yeah it got me too yeah it was it was good it was, it was good. effective yeah so she runs the other way through the cabin and somehow ralph is perfectly propped up in the pantry i i don't know exactly how quickly r- rigor mortis rigor mortis rigor mortis rigor mortis Rigor Mortis. Rigor yeah, Mortis. You got um, it. No, I'm just, I'm doing drag race in my head. Rigor Mortis, girl. Rigor Mortis. <laughs> Who's Morris? No, I don't know exactly how quickly it sets in, but I don't think that Ralph's entire body is stiff enough to just be, like, fully up there in the pantry. No, it's just one so of those things that's really meant to be purely cinematic and it's in so many of these movies. It's in Halloween too. Mm-hmm. Um also a problem. It just it's like, okay. Did they did did uh did Ginny know Ralph? I don't think that he was there during the whole no, harbinger of doom thing at the I beginning. Don't so. so she hides under the bed and Jason almost misses her except a rat shows up. A rat shows up. Did she pee herself? Because of the rat. Yeah. So Jason is there. <laughs> okay, I'm and... making sure I understood what happened. Yeah. No. She doesn't have. She's not pissing herself at Jason there. But this rat comes up and like, gets right up in her face, and then suddenly, I thought that was really bizarre. Like just like seeing like a puddle of like piss just coming out from under the bed. I honestly couldn't believe it. I was like, really? This is what we're doing here? I mean, they've already made multiple poop jokes. I yeah. Guess. You know, live by the sword, die by the sword. I guess so. Um, but he notices that, and he hides up on a chair. Yeah, I like, you know what? This is pretty crafty. Yeah, except the chair breaks on him, and he falls down. Um, so, and this was one of those things, too, with this whole movie. Because um, I know there, there are multiple Jasons, like, actors for Jason throughout the series. And yeah. I'm really, like, as we're going through these one by one and really dissecting them, I'm trying to make sure that, like, I can see the individual quirks of each Jason. And you don't get that a lot with this one. No. And it's because, as we noticed in the credits, there's, you know, somebody, there's a... Uh, Wellington Gillette. Uh-huh, Gillette, uh, yeah. Yeah, he is credited as Jason. And then there's somebody else that's credited as the Prowler, which led us to do some digging because we were trying to figure out, you know, if it's like a, the shape deal or yeah, whatever. Yeah, which I believe it is. They're still going after the Halloween thing. But no, there were so many people that stood in for Jason in this film. Um, so Gillette was purely like that final scene where you see him without a bag. That's when Gillette was in there. Um, and the guy that played Jason the entire time, which I'm guessing was credited, he's actually uncredited, 
the guy that actually plays Jason. Yeah, but he there was were, pissed off that he didn't get credit for it. Yeah, and there were there were so many people that filled in at various points in this movie. The very beginning of the movie is a woman. Yeah, yeah, like, and there were members of the production crew. Only one person got credited as the Prowler, but I think that kind of explains why we don't get a full sense of this Jason yet. So it's really kind of hard as we go through and we try and figure out our favorite Jasons. (laughs) Um... (laughs) As we try and like dissect the different Jasons throughout this series, it, it's gonna be almost impossible to include this one in it, just because it was multiple people, and I don't think they really had a good feeling for it. Um, did you happen to look up what the production time was for this movie? How quickly did they film it? So yeah, um, it looks like they began principal photography on October third, and it went until November. So. 1980. This is all back in like the year that the original released. So they did this all within a month. Okay, so this was all super fast, and that probably yeah. explains why they didn't have a fully fleshed out plan for everything then. Yeah, this Jason though, um, I, I, he's creepy. I like him, creepy. but he's kind of bumbling here in the end. He is like falling all over the place. I kind of liked the moment where uh, Jenny came at him with the chainsaw, and he actually he had a he very human moment. Yeah, yeah, he put the hands up, and I I liked that. Yeah, that was a good touch. I like that he's too. Still yeah he still is very much human Um, kind of a child still too yeah so i i thought that was a nice touch but that's really the only sense of an actual personality you get from this particular jason and i think that's part of the reason why is just they had a lot of people in there and they hadn't really decided on a full yeah they're still winging it at this point yeah um but she goes um into his home where we go, we go. yeah she finds the, his whole mother shrine and um she quickly puts together that hey this is jason this is his mom and somehow knows like hey if i pretend to be his mom and put on the sweater so that's where the story by the campfire at the beginning comes in because they talked about how he saw his mom get beheaded yeah so we know that he's got those mommy issues there and she already you know doesn't think very highly of jason and whatever um differing mental abilities from her that he might have so she's like hey i'm gonna manipulate this guy which whatever life or death situation it's you know um not a terrible idea because it does mostly work until she moves just enough for him to see his mother's head yeah on the shrine still but this ending or this scene right here it's it does a good job of um it makes you think that it's like the end of the movie because it does the similar shot of the first one where it kind of goes slow-mo and she grabs the weapon and like attacks him um except he recovers yeah. but you know paul is there he shows up and saves the day yeah and somehow then, he's alive yeah mm-hmm. i don't understand how that happened. jason doesn't double tap either apparently no but yeah so they end up they beat jason there and then they decide to go a- back the machete deep in his shoulder. His machete mm-hmm. is sharp as shit. Yeah. Ooh, that was a nice alliteration. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're back yeah. in the cabin. Um, and this is a great scene. So, okay. So I want to, this is where I want to hear your theories. About, okay, so let's go with the dog. Okay. So what happens in the scene? They're back there and then they hear a noise outside the door. They hear the door creaking. They open the door, and it's the dog. So this is the Poppins scenario where, like, <laughs> it didn't die. It was just alive the entire time. It looked like it was dead. But in reality, okay. So the dog is there, and then they go back, and then 
Jason has like another jump scene where he bursts through the window, which I thought was another great another one. Another really good jump scare. Did not see it coming. Yeah. Way more effective than the original one. Um, also, fun fact, apparently he hurt himself doing that his first try because the window did not break, so he just Ooh. hit his head really hard. Oh. Yeah. Good thing that he happens. had like five pounds of prosthetics on. Yeah. We get a glimpse of his face and how it's disfigured here again. I thought they did a really good job of making it look like a more grown-up version of yeah. the Jason. He had like really long hair too. One. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that was good, good effects work there for Carl. So it cuts out after that and it fades back to the ambulance. So, so okay. This I'll, is my. I've got a lot of issues with this, but I'll let you give your thing first. I think that this is a play on like how the original was, where you kind of think it was more dreamlike again. The reason I think it's kind of dreamlike is because the dog comes back, but we saw earlier in the movie the dog is dead, so I don't think that this is something that really happens or does it. It's like one of those like weird like makes you think like is this real? I think we're led to believe it's not. So, you know how we had that twenty minutes of padding at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. There was 20 more minutes worth of story right fucking here. Yeah. Because I was just, I was pissed off. How is it the next day? Where'd the ambulance come from? And obviously, obviously, the answer is that the rest of the counselors came back from the bar. Right? Like, we know that they were supposed to come back. Mm -hmm. You know, they probably came back later than they were supposed to because Paul had made the comment of when this bar closes, come back to the camp. And then Ted immediately goes, hey, where are the after hours places? Yeah. So we know that they're going to be back later than they're meant to. And I think that was meant to lead up to something else. Okay. But we don't ever see those other counselors coming back, even though clearly they're the ones that came back and were able to call the ambulance and everything. But, but how did none of them die? How did they find everybody? I feel like there was so much more story to be told here on the back end that just got left out completely in favor of rehashing the end of the first movie at the beginning of this one. Yeah, I think that, I, I don't know, I, I know what you're saying, and they could have flushed this out more, but I think that the way that they did it was good. I think that, like, leaving that mystery, it's kind of how they did it the first time. I feel like they did it much more effectively this time. You don't even know about Paul. She's asking about Paul. Nobody's answering her. Like, was Paul really there? Did she, like, successfully kill him the first time? And, like, everything afterwards was, like, all, like, a hallucination. Like, she stumbles back to the cabin and, you know, like, hallucinates all this stuff from, like, I don't know, loss of blood. I can't remember if she actually got... Yeah, she actually yeah, did. Her, her, her leg, leg was yeah. gashed up. So she could have been hallucinating this whole time. It's just meant to be, like... They're they're clearly making it like a thing where you're just guessing like Listen, what is real. And they they could have done that while also showing like glimpses of the other counselors coming back and seeing. I think stuff that that would have ruined it. I don't think it would have because I have more questions that it doesn't questions that don't feed into that ambivalence questions that are just like logistically, you know. I, how did other counselors not die if Jason jumped through the window? You know what I mean? Like... Well, if you're... And, like, I don't know, the way that I'm thinking, like, I think that you're supposed to think that he did die in the original, or he's at least put down, like, for the time being, after the altercation at his house, and that she just made her way back there. You just assume, like you had already assumed, that they come back and they call the cops. Like, it doesn't have to say it all. But it also, like, leaves out key things like that just to, like, make you guess. I don't like it. I don't like it. I feel, mm. like, I feel 
like the middle of this movie was decent, but the beginning and the ends were not. Beginning, everything aside from the flashback, I loved. Um, thought it was strong. Thought the middle was strong. Thought the ending was strong. Thought that this was a great movie. Much better than the original. Much better than the original, but I still have a lot of problems with it. I still don't think it, like, it's creepier. Yeah. I will give it that. For sure. And it was more enjoyable to watch. But I think it just still feels very, like, very sophomore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, like, well, I don't know. Well, I, had, I had issues. I had so, issues. okay. <laughs> well, after all of this, uh, what do you want to rate it now after we've discussed it? You know what? I worked myself up into a frenzy. I'm knocking it down to a five. I'm fucking pissed. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, shit, dude. Well, guess what? I didn't give it a ten like you gave The Witch, so I can still improve the score. Um, after talking about that ending, because I, I, I made that realization, actually, kind of as we were talking about this, or that theory, that it was all kind of like Poppins. What I keep calling it Poppins. Um, Muffin was uh, not actually dead. Um, I'm going to bump it up to a nine, because I think it's like a, it improves upon the first one in every way. It's legitimately creepy throughout the entire movie. Jason is like scary in this, I think. I just think that they did a great job. It's very effective. All right. Well, that brings our. I can't do math. Our average stayed the same. Yeah. That's still seven. I didn't do that intentionally to do that, but I I legitimately like did think it was better after discussing it. I don't think it was a nine out of ten, son. It's a nine out of ten. It's not. All right. So we're gonna talk about Talia here. Okay. So my Talia notes. Let's give context about Talia beforehand. So Talia. Um, Previously, it had been kind of sleepy. She, yeah, she had a sleepy weekend. Um, we, we've been dealing with the, all of the snow and ice, so Travis was working from home for basically the whole week, yeah. and Talia's just been sleepy, and she just didn't want to deal with our bullshit this weekend like normal. We thought she was, um, there was something wrong with her. Yeah, we were to the point where we are like, are you sick? But she got like a good nap in while we did grocery shopping and went back to her normal self. Yeah. So she was back... Back to being playful, and uh, she sat down as we started to watch this movie. Her ears were perking up at this music, but then once she saw Alice was asleep, she was like, oh, fuck this. I'm not dealing with the beginning of this. And she went to sleep for a little bit. Travis had the audacity to move his feet on the couch that he was sharing with Talia, which uh, prompted her to jump up and decide that she needs to go out right then and there. Um, so that was about 49 minutes in is when she, like, scratched at the door. Um, she came back in and she decided she was going to play with her toys. She slam-dunked one of them into her toy basket. Yeah, uh, it was when they were at the bar and, like, yeah. their rock music was playing, yeah, so she, she was, like, she was yeah, feeling it. she was feeling it. Um, she was whipping her toys around, she was doing her little victory whips, um, she tried to demand a plastic water bottle from Travis to chew on. Um, that's one of her other favorite things to do in the movie is get her loudest toys yeah. so we can't hear anything. Yeah. Um, and then when Travis said after the movie, she barked at us for a few minutes, so we had to pause it at about 55 minutes <laughs> to get her to calm down. Um, Got her up on the couch. And then at an hour, we, we paused because she was um, intimidated by our nine-pound cat that had taken her spot on the couch, and she wanted to get back up there, but she can't do that by herself, even though she weighs... Oh, 60, 65 pounds more than the cat. Yeah. Um, so we had to pause yet again to to uh, get her situated on the couch. So I'm going to say 
All in all, Talia probably thinks this movie is not entirely worth watching, but she did like the music. Yeah, how I she was, was the feel- music. Yeah, she was feeling the music, so I, I think she would give give the five. yeah she's she's a solid she's five medium on it. yeah yeah all, all right, right. who did you who did you relate to the most in this movie travis i related to paul because he had his shit together and he was just kind of like a he was a good guy um i everybody else was kind of you know every, i didn't hate anybody in this movie they were all good even like the comedian ted like he at least was charismatic and his jokes may not have been good, but he was... I could tell that he would probably be fun to be around. What about you? I related the most to Mark because I am also training. <laughs> For what? <laughs> <laughs> um, any other final thoughts on this? Nope. Um, right. We'll come back for part three in about a month. Yeah. We've got a few movies lined up in between... Now and then, one of them is most likely going to be Children of the Corn. Mm. Yay. I am excited. Um, So in the meantime, you can check us out on our social medias. We've got a Facebook page, What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie? We've got an Instagram, Least Favorite Scary Movie Podcast. And we've got a Twitter, Least Fave Pod. You can also check out Travis's um, Twitter account, Groovy Kami. That's my Instagram. Your Instagram account, Groovy Kami, where he posts all of his art, Mm -hmm. um, including the artwork he makes for our podcast every... What is it? Cover? Cover. Cover picture? Cover art. Cover art is different based on our episodes. You can follow him on Twitter... At Travlol, L-A-W-L, as a true child of the late aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us at leastfavoritescarymovie at gmail.com. And if you want to follow Talia, she's got an Instagram. I'll tell you what. Um, am I forgetting anything? Nope, I think that's pretty much it. All right. Um, we've been getting some steady listeners. We really appreciate that. If you appreciate us, please make sure to show us some love on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Get more people to listen to us. All right. Until next time, I've been Jesse. I'm Travis. All right. Thank y'all. Thank you. Bye. he reaches the bottom of the stairs they do like a freeze frame yeah (laughs) is that coming up on the screen i don't know